Hey, this is a Hakawati production. Michel Zorzori is our guest today on The Men's Room. Michel is an incredible wildlife photographer. His compelling photographs have been sold and exhibited internationally. And he's also published a book called Prey, which is all about animal predators in the wild. And he also runs Dima Healthcare, which sells medical equipment and supplies and is part of the Zorzori Group, a family-owned group of companies. Welcome to The Men's Room, Michel. Thank you. So did I say your name right? You did, yes. It's quite a tongue twister. Well, you get used to it. But I really like your first name. Michel. Yeah. It's much easier. Yes. And also, if you and I got married and we lived somewhere where men took actually. women's last name, you'd <laughs> Michel, be Michel, Michel. Michel. Absolutely. And your life might be a little bit easier. Mm, I'm not sure. <laughs> Or not. <laughs> On the name part, definitely. Yeah. So um, anyways, you're a photographer. Yes. Um, not by trade, but by choice. By passion, actually. By passion. Um, it's kind of interesting to be talking about photography on uh, on a podcast, actually, considering, you know, no one can see the images. But so I want to let everyone know that they can see your images on Instagram. Your account is at Michel underscore Zorzori. And it's worth noting that you already have like 121,000 followers, which exactly. is pretty impressive for basically an amateur photographer. Well, yeah, um, yeah. Well, how long have you been taking I started, pictures? I, I basically fell in love with photography uh, about 14 years ago. I was 40 years old. I was traveling to London to attend a polo game organized by a friend of mine. The plane was late. I bought a camera and this was the beginning of the love affair. So you were taking, you took pictures at that polo game? Yeah, they were terrible. I thought at the time they were great, but now that I look at them, they're pretty terrible. What kind of camera was it? Uh, it was a Canon uh, EOS 20. So basically a mid-range camera with a normal lens. Like a five meg megapixel or something uh, like this? It was like 10, I think, eight or nine actually. Okay. But then I just instantly fell in love with it. And did you start posting your images on Instagram right away? No, no, no. I started Instagram two years ago, three years ago. At the request of my nephews, actually, who said okay. they have to be on Instagram. Yeah. So I started my account three or four years ago, I think. And how often do you post stuff? Uh, once a day. Mm -hmm. yeah. It's a pretty big uh, following you have. Uh, yeah. I mean, you know, it's my, my, the whole point of my photography is to spread the message of awareness. So the more people see the photos, the better off I am. I'm basically trying to show what we're losing. The okay. beauty of nature. Yeah. Um, so I know you go on at least about three photography trips yeah. per year. Um, why? So why do you do it? What's your motivation? Tell me about that. Uh, there's a, basically, I, I love it. It's it's a pure pleasure. It's the um, for me, it's the most pleasant things to do, and also you know because we are living in a beautiful world that is slowly, you know not be becoming not as beautiful and i want to show people the beauty of the arctic the beauty of africa the beauty of india the beauty of all these remote places and uh, i'm hoping that by seeing the beauty they will become more aware and they will do something to save it what are the things that you've seen on those trips that are worrying you Uh, I've, I started doing this race 15 years ago and between the first time and today I've seen a huge difference. Differences that are supposed to happen over a course of 100 years happen in the course of 15 years. Less animals, more people, more pollution, more houses, less green space, you know, just basically things are accelerating. So let's talk a little bit about the book that you published back I in 2012. Two, You've published two. Yeah. There's one in 2012 called Prey. 
The, exactly. That's the first one. Exactly. And the second one I published recently in November. It was actually a fundraising project for an NGO I'm on the board of, which is Animals Lebanon. And it was basically a book on cats and dogs in studio. And all the proceeds of the book went to you know specific projects undertaken by Animals Lebanon. So who's easier to photograph, wild animals, dogs and cats, or people? <laughs> uh, I wouldn't know about people because I'm not a you big person. You never take pictures of people? I do, I do, but it's not, I'm not good at it. I'm, I'm much better at you know, wildlife and, and animals than at people. That's interesting, though, because I would imagine that it's hard to direct animals. and You easier. don't direct them. Yeah. I, in studio, yes. The, 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 yes. The most difficult thing, actually, is cats in studio because you, have, you want them to do something, they end up doing the opposite. So how do you convince them to you like just stay? Patience. Patience yeah. and you bribe them with treats. Treats. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> it was fun, actually. It was a very fun process, the whole book on cats and dogs. It was over 120 or 130 photo shoots. And there's two books, one on cats, one on dogs. And what's the name of the book? Uh, it, both books are called Catitude and The Unbearable Lightness of Hoofing. Mm. So, you know. Cute. I, yeah. <laughs> so, and then Prey was uh, really about wild uh animals, predator animals. Yes. But you kind of um, had a nice story that went along with the, with the book. Basically, the predator has become the prey. I know it's a bit cliche, but it's the truth. Because the predators are so beautiful, so pretty, so elegant, they basically become the unfortunate subject of human greed. Uh, there's less than 3,000 tigers left in the wild because people want to have a tiger skin in their living room. Or there is some people that believe that tiger teeth and claws have aphrodisiac properties. Um, there's only 7,000 cheetahs left in the world for the same reason, you know, poaching, encroaching on, on farmer land. Uh, same thing with sharks. We kill, uh, on average, between 75 and 100 million sharks a year, mostly for shark fin soup. Uh, polar bears are endangered because of their loss of habitat, climate change, and all these things. So basically, these animals that are beautiful are gravely endangered. So this is why I focused on them for, you know, it took me seven years to do the book, actually. And I know that, like the, the dog and cat books, you, the proceeds from the sale of that book went to various organizations. Exactly. Ma mainly, actually, the Children's Cancer Center of Lebanon, ah, okay. but also other organizations. Okay. So you're also obviously very interested in the environment and uh, concerned with the way things are going very on the planet. So. Um, is that something that you think about on a day-to-day -day basis? And how do you live your life to kind of feel that you're doing things the right well, way? You know, I try as much as possible to do the things that we should be doing, recycling, eating less to no meat, uh, not littering, uh, stuff like this. And I try as much as possible to push people around me to do the same. Uh, this is on a daily basis. Also, I'm very involved in this NGO called Animals Lebanon to make sure that people don't abuse animals. Uh, so, you know, I, I do a lot, you know, as much as I can do on it as an individual. And uh, I'm hoping that other people are starting to do the same. So when you talk about uh, uh, recycling, yeah. okay, that's one thing. Uh, you talk about not eating a lot of meat. Are you a vegetarian? No, I eat meat and chicken and fish, but I'm decreasing it drastically. I don't believe in extremes. I think today we need to take action fast. But it's not by telling people if you eat meat or chicken, you're a murderer, that we're going to get anywhere. We need balance. If people eat um, meat once every two weeks instead of eating four times a week, it's a huge victory. Is that how much you eat? Meat? No, I've actually cut down much more than this. The last time I had meat was four months ago, I think. Wow. I eat fish, chicken, and I'm decreasing this drastically as well. What's For wrong with eating meat? number of reasons. First, environment. It's estimated that about 15% of 
climate change is due to uh, the agriculture industry, to basically cows digesting grass, the methane. They, the, You're the talking me- about factory farming, obviously. Exactly, yes. But this is this is how we all eat our meat. Uh, also, um, it's hor- horrible the way these animals are treated. Uh, you know, they're, whether it's here, the U.S., Europe, I mean, obviously the U.S. and Europe is a bit better, but the way they're, they're you know, put in cramped places and then slaughtered is, is horrible. And then I just feel better by eating less meat. Mm. I mean, I'm, I'm not against meat. What about like wild game? I, I think it's actually better to eat wild game than, uh, you know, I know it's a bit, you know, you know, paradoxical, I mean, controversial, but it's better to eat wild game than to eat uh, uh, farmed animals, provided it's done in a regulated way, because these animals have lived a, uh, a very nice life. Ideally, I would like to stop meat, fish and chicken. I'm working towards this. I'm going to get there, but I'll do it gradually. Hmm. What are some of the other things uh, you think our humans can do? I mean, you, you mentioned that the places you visit now um, are getting polluted, they're overpopulated. What are some of the things you think that the world needs to change in order to re- kind of reverse that course? Well, radically have less kids. But uh, this is, you know, a very unpolitically correct, uh, you know, uh, position. You know, we're seven, eight, seven, eight billion people today. If we keep on growing, you know, even even though the estimates, pr- uh, you know, predict that within the next 10, 15 years, population is going to start decreasing, no matter what we do with, you know, that many individuals, we're bound to create pollution and, and uh, you know, uh, depletion of resources and stuff like this. So the ideal would be for people to have less kids. Uh, now, being less, you know, more realistic, consume less, use less plastics, do just common sense stuff. I mean, don't um, don't go to the grocery store. When you go to the grocery store to buy one item, don't get a plastic bag. Um, avoid uh, buying uh, an apple cut in four pieces and wrapped in a, you know, styrofoam thing with plastic on it. It's like common sense stuff. Yeah, I mean, that's the bare minimum. I mean, we could be doing so much more, obviously. Yeah, of course. I mean, recycling. Like in my company now, we're all recycling. At home, I'm recycling. Uh, you know, driving less and uh, and walking more. I mean, we can do a lot of things. But you'd be surprised how little people do. I mean, even the recycling that is basic is not practiced very often in Lebanon. Why do you think? I don't know. Uh, probably education. Yeah. It just. I think people worldwide are not aware of how bad things will soon become or how bad. I don't want to sound like the prophet of doom, but things are deteriorating very quickly. To give you an example, I was in the Arctic for two weeks in March. I became very good friend with a ship captain, it was an icebreaker, who told me that over the past 20 years, he, you know, the, the amount of ice that has melted was catastrophic. And if you read statistics, the Arctic has lost 50% of its ice. This is huge. You know, It's, of course, people are going to tell you, but the ice melting in the Arctic has zero bearing on us living in Lebanon. It's strong. The whole climate is changing. It's becoming warmer, colder. What, what will happen to Lebanon if the if all that ice melts? Uh, I'm not a climate yeah. expert, but oh, I can see that weather changes, weather patterns are changing everywhere. Mm. The tornadoes are, are stronger. The uh, hurricanes are stronger. It's warmer everywhere. Uh, it's, it's, you know, even forgetting the weather. Look at nature, the environment, the pollution we're creating. Let's not talk about weather. I'm not a scientist, so I can't really talk about how weather will affect us. But I look around us at the level of pollution we have, the lack of green spaces, uh, the, the way we're polluting the water, the sea, the, 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 the forest around us is catastrophic. Do you feel when you're taking pictures and you're showing the pictures that in a small way, you're just trying to show people like the beauty of, of this world? Is that kind of how you feel or is it 
not exactly connected? It is connected, but I'm afraid that, you know, and this is a feeling making more and more, that the more I show the beauty of the world, the less people will feel the urgency of doing something. Because if you show something beautiful, people won't read the text because people have a tendency of not reading. And they say, oh, that's beautiful. So there's nothing we need, there's nothing we need to do. Hmm. That's an interesting way of looking at it. Or they could be afraid to lose it. But you're right. How do you, how do you send that, that message in a clear way? It's kind of this is what, a this, challenge. This is my, my contribution, of course, in addition to the personal things I do. My contribution is basically showing what we're losing. Yeah. So. Where are you going next? What's your next trip? Uh, I have a small trip for turtle photography in Greece, but mostly I have Uganda, Uganda in uh, December for gorillas, uh, probably India for leopards and tigers in uh, March, and I have a month and a half in the Pantanal, which is uh, next to the Amazon in Brazil for jaguars. Wow. So um, I have three trips next year. One of them is a month and a half, a month and 10 days. Do you ever get like frightened when you're photographing these wild animals? Has anything bad ever happened? Yes, missing a good shot. No, nothing. nothing, nothing. nothing. <laughs> I thought you said missing. I thought you're going to say like missing a body part. <laughs> no, no, nothing. Listen, I've gone on over 50 trips and so far nothing has happened. I've had a couple close calls, but they were mostly my fault. Mm. My fault or the guy's fault or... or, or like what? It was human error. Okay, an example. I was in Alaska with a friend of mine and we were shooting with a camera, obviously, uh, grizzly bears. And we were walking because grizzly bears in this particular part of Alaska are not afraid of humans because they were never hunted. And all of a sudden, you know, we were walking, the wind was uh, blowing uh, from towards us. So the bear, the mother bear didn't smell us. She saw us at the last moment. She was hiding behind the bush with a cub. And obviously she became very, very defensive uh, at protecting her cub. And Things could have gone a bit hairy here because, you know, we were basically very close to her. She had a cub, but, you know, we just laid on the ground, waited for her to come down and kept on walking. So stuff like this, nothing major. Okay. It's funny how people get really afraid of animals, but in reality, you don't really often hear about, you know, wild animal attacks. It's uh, unless in urban settings where, you know, here in California, there are, um, you know, coyotes and this kind of stuff. But when you go in the wild, you rarely hear about lions attacking. It's actually mountain lions. Coy coyote, mountain lions, yes, not coyote coyotes. Coyotes will not eat you. It's like a small They're number. small, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, listen, to give You're some right. numbers, mm -hmm. put numbers in perspective, we kill, as I said earlier, 100 million sharks a year. And uh, sharks kill on average seven people a year. So the average over the past six years, I think, is seven people killed a year. And most of the attacks are basically by mistake. The, the person being attacked is not, doesn't get eaten because the shark, you know, thinks the person is a seal, goes for the person, realizes the mistake and leaves. But, you know, it's too late because a shark bite is lethal very often. So the numbers are, are, are very, very, very small. Uh, to give you another example, people are afraid of lions and, and predators. Well, the biggest number of casualties in Africa is due to hippos and buffaloes. Lions kill less than peop 10 people a year. And again, it's always because of humans encroaching on, a, uh, on the lion's territory. Mm, how, what happens with the buffaloes? Uh, basically, uh, very often, you know, they're hiding in the bush. Someone walks by, buffalo is afraid, it charges. Mm. Or the hippos, the same thing, very territorial. Yeah, yeah. And uh, basically, they don't kill them to eat them. They just trample them or just, you know, walk over them or something. Right. You know, which is a horrible way to die, but it's it's not who you expect. It's not the predator. It's not the lion or the tiger or the or the, yeah. the leopard. Interesting. Yeah. So, what kind of equipment do you use now? Uh, Canon, 
because one of the very important thing about wildlife photography, you don't have time to learn about your equipment when you're in the field. You need to know the equipment by heart. So I learned photography on the Canon camera and, you know, I learned the menu, how it works and everything. So I kept on doing the same thing. And, uh, you know, uh, you have the lenses also. that all So basically Canon. Do you, you know, use just, like a lot of, uh, you know, uh, yeah, special I have, lenses? I have a very long one, a medium one and a short one. Usually, okay. uh, to be to be specific, the short one is 100 millimeters, 70 to 200 to be precise. Uh, the medium one is 500, and I have a very long one that's 800 millimeters. And that's all you bring with another with the few, camera. you know, like three bodies, and another few smaller lenses. I have usually 40 kilos of equipment. Oh my goodness! Yeah, the, the lenses are eight, seven, five to seven kilos each, the big ones. Do you have any formal training? Formal, as in degree, no. But I learned a lot through workshops, reading books, going to exhibitions. I'm very lucky because I met very early on a very good photographer and we became very good friends. So he kind of became my mentor for the first five years of my photography uh, career, if you want to call it. And then I've been learning alone, you know, practice, practice, practice. Hmm. So how many pictures do you take when you go out on the day? I mean, are you the whole day taking pictures or basically it's you have to wait till you see the animals, which is not always When obvious? I first started my trips, I used to take 5,000 photos in a trip and keep about 200. Now, on a normal trip, I take no more than three, four hundred, and I end up with keeping probably ten. Ah. So I become much more more selective. I, you know where to when to shoot, when not to shoot, what time of the day. Usually, you have you know you usually have two or three good hours of, of flight. And which then, is when? Which is like five in the morning or five in the afternoon. So okay. early, you know, sunrise, sunset. Um, during the day, usually don't do anything unless unlike unless there is like amazing action happening. Uh, so I stay out with the animals the whole day. Like in Brazil, for for example, for the jaguars, it's by boats. It's on the river. We're most probably going to stay, you know, we stay the whole day on the river. So uh, waiting for something to happen. But usually between 9 a.m. or 10 a.m. and 4 p.m., nothing happens. What are you going to see on the river? Uh, jaguars. Jaguars okay. are on the banks of the on river. The banks but, of the river. Uh, this time of the year, they actually spend most of the time on the river because it's very hot. They hunt on the river, they drink water, they rest on the river, so they're always on the river. Mm. Only when it rains, I love shooting in rain and snow. You know, when it rains, there is rain and snow, my shooting hours are extended because you can get amazing light during the day when you have a, like a rainstorm or something. Why? Because it's very dramatic. Okay. You know, it's, it's, I don't know, there's something with the light that becomes beautiful after uh, like a, a big storm. Mm, I guess because it's reflecting the light in a Basically, way. and then you have the mud on the, on the ground and you have the animals going through it and you have like, you know, it's, it's more active. And also you have to keep in mind those animals get hot very easily. So when it rains and it's cool, they're more active. Do you have any thoughts? You obviously love animals. Yeah. What do you think about zoos? It's terrible. Why? Because they're not supposed to be there. I mean, what do you mean they're not supposed the to be The animals are not supposed to be in a zoo. You know, okay, like, but why? I guess uh, people who develop... There are some you know, pretty decent zoos, especially in the West. And uh, you know, I can speak for Houston, where I moved from. Mm -hmm. They have some where they really try to recreate the habitat. Obviously, it's not ideal. They would argue that you know, showing the animals uh, to children and people in the cities kind of... Uh, not everyone can go on the trips like you do, obviously. Not everyone gets healthcare. Yeah. I'm sorry, but there are other yeah. priorities than showing animals to kids. Yeah. And when you show animals to kids in I'm a zoo... I'm just asking, by the way, that no, question, no, no, just no, to no, see no, your no. point of view. When, when, uh, when, you, when kids see animals in a zoo, it's, uh, you know, they, they have a totally different impression or idea of the animal. They're not supposed to see them there. They're not supposed to be in captivity. I think kids are better off 
watching a documentary shot in the wild to see how the animals really live than to see an animal in a, in a, in a cage, in a, in a zoo. And, and also many accidents happen where you have a zookeeper getting killed. You have a, uh, uh, I don't know if you heard about the accident last year where a kid fell in a gorilla enclosure and they had to shoot yeah. the gorilla. Yeah. Why? I mean, the gorilla didn't ask for anything. He was not even threatening the the kid. Just because a responsible parent, you know, let the kid go and walk into an enclosure, the gorilla ends up getting killed. So it's unfair. No, I'm against zoo. I'm against captivity, definitely. Mm. Now, this being said, you have certain animals that cannot be reintroduced in the wild. I mean, at Animal Zabern, for example, we, we rescue animals, even wild animals. These were bred in captivity, will never survive in the wild. So, Which yes, kind of animals are you referring to? Everything. We've, like what, we've what rescued do they have lions, there? we've rescued tigers. People in Lebanon actually have pets at homes, lions, tigers, and cheetahs. Really? Oh, yeah. Uh, we actually just uh, closed down, uh, we're trying to close down a small zoo that has a bear, two bears and, and, and a lion in horrible conditions. So these will never go back to the wild because they, they won't survive. And they get sent to sanctuaries or, or, you know, proper zoo. But in general, I'm against the principle of zoo. So do you volunteer your time at Animals Lebanon? Uh, yes, I work a lot with them. I'm, as a board member, as you know, we work, you know, we're uh, basically I help a lot the organization, both, you know, financially through my books and everything. And also in terms of, you know, strategic direction and stuff like this. Mm. So why why would people want to have like lions and tigers as pets? I don't know. <laughs> Probably ego. Do they keep them in like outside, inside? Mm, they keep them in cages. In cages. You know. It's basically a matter of my line is bigger than your line. I mean, it's it's. Uh, it's I ego. mean, is this like a common thing? I don't know anyone uh, in who many countries. Like, yeah, uh, the Gulf is very famous for this. South America is very famous for this. Russia was very famous for this. Even the U.S. In the U.S., you have an, a huge number of tigers in private zoo. Zoos, yes, but, but not like in people's homes. Zoo. Yeah, no, no, yeah. private zoo are in sure. people's home. You know, yeah, they, I see what you know. you're saying. Yeah, it's, a, it's an ego thing. It's a, you know they want to own they, they want to feel that they own the animal, but. They don't because a tiger in captivity is not a tiger in the wild. Yeah. So what happens to those when people have those in their house? They usually die because they don't know how to care for them. These animals are fragile in captivity. They're prone to getting diseases that don't exist in the wild. Uh, They're basically in horrible enclosures. So, yeah, they end up dying and, you know, living horrible lives. Hmm. So, yes, I'm totally against. Okay. Captivity, private zoo. You know, I know it's not a perfect world and an animal is much better off in a big zoo than a small zoo, but ideally they should not exist. So what do you do on a day-to-day basis? For work. Yeah. I manage my business. Right. But I mean, what does that mean? Are you going to an office and uh, yeah. very involved? You're selling uh, medical equipment? Medical equipment, absolutely. Yeah. So for example, uh, imaging uh, machines. Mm, imaging equipment, sutures, stapling, uh, devices. It's uh, like totally different, right? Oh yeah, completely. Yeah. Hmm. Do you like it? I enjoy doing both, absolutely. Yeah. It's fun. It's fun? To do both, yeah. Okay. It's, you know, it's nice to have some variety. Yeah. So, yeah, I enjoy it. That's you good. Know, it's stressful and everything. And my photography allows me to, uh, you know, take a break from it. And also my work, you know, another also main reason, my work allows me to actually do my photography the way I want to do it. Because it finances it. Right. So, uh, but it's part of, it's part of your uh, family business, right? Exactly. Family, I mean, your well, family. I, I started companies. the medical business when I came back to Lebanon in '94. I was in the U.S. before I was living in New York, and '93 or '94 I came back and I started the business that basically deals in medical equipment. And how is that business doing? I mean, it seems like medical business is not really susceptible to all the moods of the economy because people. It is are... actually much more than you think because we sell but we don't get paid. Hmm. So it's actually quite stressful. That's terrible. It is terrible. 
but it's a, the whole. You need to hire some people. <laughs> yeah, no, no. <laughs> to take care of that problem. <laughs> it won't be taken care of. No, but seriously, it's becoming very, very stressful. So I, you know, I'm happy I have my photography. Yeah. That really allows me to, uh, you know. Yeah. Think about something else. So your next trip is in Uganda in December. Uganda in December. Yeah, probably India in March or April. And do you have any plans with those uh, for those images? Is yes, it, uh, I have a big exhibition that I'm doing in March, from March 4th to uh, to April 4th. It won't be the gorilla images. It's going to be images I already have. Uh, and the proceeds of the exhibition will be given to uh, both cancer funds at the AUB. One is called the, the Cancer Support Fund, and the other one is St. Jude. Where will the exhibition be? Uh, Dar Nimr. That's is, here in Beirut? It's in Beirut, yes. But and what, what will you be selling? Are they like large prints, small prints? What are you selling? Uh, I have two sizes, and the limited edition is of seven. Okay. Uh, the photos. What are the sizes? Uh, the, the, it really depends on the photos, but roughly uh, the big ones are a meter by a meter and a half, and the small ones oh, are, six, are 60 by 90. So, and are they like, do you sell them like just as a print or they're framed? I sell, uh, I sell them framed, and they're seven, seven, as I said, seven copies of each, which is basically the standard today in photography. It's five plus two artist prints, so a total of seven. Wonderful. Mm, but it's fun. I really love what you're doing. Thank you. Good luck. Thank you. With all your trips. And thank you for uh, the talk. Well, thank you for stopping by. Thanks for joining us in the men's room. Don't forget to subscribe to our show if you haven't already. And also check us out on hackawadi.com and let us know what you think. See you next time.